Welcome to the Hope United Podcast, where we're creating a culture of worship, family, and discipleship. We hope this message challenges, inspires, and gives you hope today. If you like this podcast, remember to share and subscribe. God, we thank you for your presence today. God, you know exactly what needs to happen in our lives. You know exactly what's going on in our lives, and I pray that you would speak to us in profound ways, speak to us in simple ways, speak to us in practical ways. God, your word is a lamp to our feet. It's a light to our path. So, God, I pray that you cause illumination in our life today. God, that we would see ways to be successful and to be powerful and to fulfill the purposes that you've given us in this life. In Jesus' name, everybody said, amen, amen. Look at somebody and say, I'm glad I'm here today. You know, many people are searching for meaning, searching for purpose, searching for identity. And while others are searching for legacy and value and prestige, and there's been many people that have walked the face of the earth and have known greatness. When you say the word greatness, there are people that comes to mind, right? You say that word and maybe you say the greatest boxer of all time. And there's probably somebody that comes to your mind, right? Or you say the greatest basketball player that ever played the game. You think of somebody, right? Or you think of the greatest swimmer. Probably somebody comes to your mind. Maybe it's Michael Phelps. Maybe you think the greatest soccer player that ever came. (laughs) And you think Miami is doing good right now. The world has many ways to um, talk about greatness, but how do we define it as Christians? How do we define greatness? What does it really take to be great? What does God say greatness is? So I want to take the next couple weeks and talk about greatness. What does it mean to be great? So I've entitled this series, The Greatest. Somebody say that one time, The Greatest. So I want to start right here with something that Jesus said in Matthew twenty twenty five through 27. He said, and he called his disciples together and he said to them, you know that the rulers in this world lord over the people and officials flaunt their authority over those that are under them. But among you, it will be different. Whoever wants to be a leader among you must be your servant and whoever wants to be first among you must become your slave. So Jesus said that the people that follow him should not try to achieve greatness the way that the world does. The world has a certain way of pursuing and viewing what greatness is. The world has certain ways in which they think greatness should look. Maybe it's a lot of money. Maybe it's prestige. Maybe it's um, athletics. Maybe something else. But Matthew twenty twenty five. This is where Jesus starts. He says, the rulers of this world lord it over the people. And the way of this world is to push other people down so that you can be something great, so that you can think that you're something great. The way that the world thinks about greatness is that if they want to get ahead, they have to put somebody behind. If they want to make money, they have to take money from someone else. You want to get a position, you have to take a position from someone else. The concept of undermining becomes a basic principle 
in this type of thought process. The concept comes from a fallen culture. We feel that we have to do something against someone so that we can be above someone else. And this is really a scarcity mentality. If I want to be great, someone else must be little. Someone else must be small. Someone else be, has to be insignificant for me to be significant. If I want to be rich, someone else must be poor. If I want food, someone else must go hungry. If I want to be in charge, someone else must be without rights. And this isn't a God thought. This is a product of a sinful world coming up with bankrupt ideas. A sin culture thinks this way. If I want to be great, I have to step on somebody else. But Jesus said in Matthew 20, 25, said officials flaunt their authority over those that are under them. So not only do they lord over, but they flaunt. And this is, again, the way of a fallen culture. Not the original design that God had for us, not the original intention that God had for us, but leadership in this fallen culture oftentimes flaunts authority. Step on whoever you want, whoever you need to, to get the authority, and when you get the authority, show it off. Flaunt it. Let everybody know who's the boss. Let everybody know in the room who's in charge. Now, this is not a godly concept. It's a sinful concept. It's a concept, not a concept that God created. It's a concept that comes from our culture. To be great, you have to boss other people around. You have to flaunt your authority. But you actually really know when a godly authority walks into the room, they don't have to even announce it. You can just feel that something is different. You feel that something has changed. <clears throat> they don't have to go out of their way to boss people around. They don't have to prove that they're in charge. Because oftentimes if you've got to prove you're in charge, you're not really in charge. There's somebody else in charge, and that insecurity is eating you up. So you've got to start bossing people around. When somebody is walking in godly authority, they're just, they just are. They just are in charge. Someone that has godly authority just has it. It's part of who they are. It becomes part of them. Godly authority never flaunts. When Jesus showed up, he didn't have to say, listen, you mere mortals. Listen to my voice because you are beneath me. He didn't flaunt his authority, but he rather taught something different. Even when Pontius Pilate questioned Jesus, and in the natural, Pontius Pilate was the most powerful man in the region, and Pilate, in the presence of Jesus, he just felt that he needed to ask, are you a king? Because something was so different about him, even in this state where he had been abused all night, he had been mistreated, and he comes to him, and he's bound. Are you a king? There's something about you. And even a natural authority recognized there was a spiritual authority that was even higher than him that was in the room. Jesus didn't have to say anything except you said it. He didn't say, yeah, and by the way, I'm this, 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 and this. He said, by the way, are, are you a king? Everybody's saying, there's some people saying that you're a king. You said it. 
Jesus didn't flaunt it. He was calm. He was confident. And that's what a godly leader is. That's what God wants to create within us. Nothing to prove. Flaunting not required. Just calm confidence. Jesus said in, in Matthew 20, 26, he said, But among you it will be different. It will be different. Right? Godly leaders and people that God puts into places of authority and leadership are to be different. As godly leaders, we're supposed to be different. We're supposed to look different. We're supposed to have a different code of conduct, a different perspective. Our behavior should say something. Our leadership should point back to the identity that we have in Christ. Our leadership style should somehow reflect the attributes of God. Conversely, if our leadership style looks exactly like everybody else's, then we're missing it. We're missing the mark. We're doing it wrong, right? Because Jesus clearly said, you're going to do it differently. You're not going to do it the way the world does. You're not going to do it the way the culture does. You're not going to do it the way everybody else does. You're going to do things differently. We were never meant to look like the world. We were never meant to act like the world. We were never meant to lead like the world. We are to embody a different set of characteristics and behaviors. As leaders, Jesus said, you will not do the same thing that other leaders do. If you want to be great the way God defines great, you will lead differently. And, and maybe you're saying to me, Pastor, I, I, I'm not necessarily in a position of leadership. I come, I've got a supervisor, and, and this is what I am at work. This is who I am in my circle of friends. I, I'm not really the alpha among the guys that I hang out with. I want to tell you today, God has created us all to be leaders. You may not be leading in the way that you think that you should be leading, but you're leading in some area. There is some circles that you are the leader. There are certain places that you walk into that people are looking to you. Maybe you don't realize who's looking to you yet, but people are looking to you. If you want to be great, you will take those leadership opportunities and you will show the attributes of Christ. If you want to be great the way God defines great, you will lead differently. God's version of greatness is different than our culture's version of greatness. God's version is the original version, by the way, of what it is to be great. True greatness will look differently. Many things actually in the kingdom of God look differently, right? Some things in the kingdom of God are counterintuitive, so that they're not going to seem logical. I heard Minister Jessica talking about something that doesn't seem logical to us. So some things in the kingdom of God are counterintuitive. They don't seem like the logical outcome or outflow of what should be. God's ways are different from our ways. Scripture tells us, my ways are not your ways. My ways are higher than your ways. My thoughts are not your thoughts. And so we understand that our natural logic is not going to always connect the dots on the way we're supposed to lead. So when I say our, I mean our culture, our culture that we have in this fallen world, it's different. The thought process is different. So when we're introduced or reintroduced to the way 
the ways of God, the protocols of the kingdom of God, they can look different than what we could expect. Leadership is going to look different than you expect. Greatness is going to look different than you expect. Why? Because we're expecting things from natural logic, from a natural perspective. So when we think about things and we think about greatness in God's way, it's going to appear differently than what we would first expect. Matthew 20, 26 says, Whoever wants to be a leader among you must be your servant. So automatically, this looks different. And when Jesus, the, the, for those in the room that this sounds like familiar to or that you've heard this concept, understand that even when this was first said, this was completely unique. Nobody was talking this way. So if this sounds slightly familiar to you, it's because you've been exposed to what Jesus said. Jesus gave these ideas that were completely different. Kingdom of heaven protocol, kingdom of heaven characteristics. And so he says, if you want to be the leader, you have to learn how to serve. If you want to be the leader, you have to be the servant. Whoever wants to be first among you must be your slave. So if you want to be a leader... You want to be great, in God's eyes, you have to be a servant. In the kingdom of heaven, things are different. If you want to be great from heaven's perspective, you're going to do things differently on the earth. Right? Everybody else is going to be doing one thing, you're going to do something different. You've got to get comfortable with that. You've got to get adjusted to that. That everybody else is going to be doing one thing, you're going to do something different. These people are leading this way. You're going to lead this way. These supervisors are doing it this way. You as a supervisor are going to do it this way. That if somebody else as a boss is going to do it this way. You're going to be a boss like this. Why? Because greatness is different. Leadership is different in the kingdom of heaven. If you want to be great, you have to learn how to serve. And here's the caveat. Grab a hold of this. You don't get to choose who you serve. This is the hard pill to swallow, right? You don't get to choose who you serve. If you could choose who you served, that would make it at least a little bit easier. I want to serve people that are kind of easy to please, kind of easygoing. They don't, they're not high maintenance. They're not really drama people. They say thank you a lot. I can serve those people. Let me tell you, as a pastor that serves a lot of people, you don't get to choose who you serve. So this is that big, big revelation that hits you like a pile of bricks, is that you don't get to choose who you serve. God says, if you want to serve, if you want to be great in my kingdom, you need to serve. Have a servant perspective. Serve others. Servant leadership, service-minded, and you don't get to choose who you serve. God says, I'm going to show you who I want you to serve. I'm going to bring into your life the people that I want you to serve. I'm kind of laughing because God, I think God has a sense of humor. Some of the people that he will bring into your life because they will test your patience. You've got to stay prayed up. If you want to be great, you got to stay prayed up because the people that God will bring into your life to serve will test your patience. Let it get on your nerves. Some of them, maybe not all of them. 
you want to be great in the kingdom of God, you have to learn how to serve without discrimination. The people that God brings into your life. And, and, and that, can be, that can be a challenge because we oftentimes, we, we walk into different circles and we meet different people and we put our bias on top of it. And if we're all honest, we, we all have bias, right? And so Jesus invites us to lay all our bias down and serve. Jesus invites us to indiscriminately serve others. No matter what they look like, no matter what culture they come from, nationality, skin tone, socioeconomics that they come from, political leanings. God brings people into your life and he says, serve. You don't get to choose. I don't get to choose. God chooses who we serve. Serve one another. Serve those that look like you. Serve those that don't look like you. Serve those that are easy. Serve those that are hard. God will bring people into your life. And you can be great if you can learn how to serve them. Serve people that are lost. Serve people that are found. Serve people that are Christians. Serve people that are not Christians. Serve people that have it together. Serve people that don't have it together in the least. Serving is beautiful. Serving is godly. Serving is heavenly. Serving is great. It makes you great in God's eyes. And when we get to heaven, servanthood will be celebrated. Now, arrogance, you won't get past the front gate. Because Scripture already tells us he resists the proud. So the proud aren't going to be able to gain access. But somebody that has a servant perspective, servant leader, servant thought process, service-minded, that person is going to be celebrated. This month I want to talk about what it is to be great. The world has many, many definitions. But God is very clear on his definition. I want to get back to the original definition of what it means to be great. I want to lock my sights on that. I want us as a faith family to... to to lock eyes on what it really, really means to be great in the kingdom of God and to walk in that. Will you bow your heads with me? God, I thank you for each and every person that's in this place. I thank you, God, that you take us on a journey. You're always taking us on a journey of faith. And you're showing us what it means to be great. You're showing us what it looks like to be great. God, I thank you, Lord, that as we really think about this throughout the week, as we think about this through the month, that you would let everything fall off that is not your idea of greatness. You would let every idea, every mental construct that doesn't line up with how you view leadership to fall off. God, we want to grab a hold what it means to be great in your eyes. Let us lay everything down. 
separates us from your vision, greatness in us. His heads are bowed. Maybe you say, Pastor, I'm not where I need to be with Jesus today. And I hear what you're saying, and something is just coming alive in me. I realize that I need to either connect with him or I need to reconnect with him. I need to say yes to Jesus for the first time or I need to re-up and say, Jesus, I, I, I need you. I need to make sure that you are the center of my life before I walk out of this place. If that's you, just slip up your hand. I want to pray with you today right where you are. Amen. 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 That's powerful. That's the most important decision that we make in life is when we say yes to Jesus or if we've drifted away and we say, Jesus, I, I, I'm, I'm coming back. I'm saying yes today. If you lifted your hand for either of those things, I want to pray for you right where you are. You can say this prayer with me. Everybody can say this in agreement. Jesus, thank you. Jesus, thank you. Thank you for your love. Thank you for your love. Thank you for dying for me on the cross. I'm sorry for the times I've missed it, for the times I failed, for the times I sinned. Jesus, I'm sorry. Jesus, accept my forgiveness today. Give me your perfect work. Give me your gift of forgiveness. Give me a clean slate today. I need you to guide me, to lead me, to show me how to be more like you. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks again for listening. If you like this podcast, remember to share and subscribe. For more information or to connect with us, go to hopeunited.church. And remember, if God is with you, you will be undefeated.